Hey guys, it's Beth. Happy season two, episode two. Also happy again, 2022. A lot of twos going on here, right? Because it is a new year. We're in the second month of this year. And as a reminder, in the way of a reminder to you, I want to let you know that I am on a weekly schedule per month, one remorselessly biblical show a month. And here is why. This is my year of rest, you guys. I've often not known what that looks like. I had to actually pause and take a rest for the rest because it's not how I've operated for almost 50 years of my life. For everyone that knows me, when they saw a recent post I did that kind of explained this, right? Which was like, I need a minute. I am no longer going to be putting out content weekly. It's going to be more monthly. I'm going to be in the moment. I'm going to establish my own boundaries. I'm going to figure out what my next steps in life are. And to do that, I have to get rid of all the noise. Not that this was noise. It just was busy, 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 right? I have a full-time job. I don't know how many of you out there this may or may not resonate with, but if you are somebody who is just in go mode constantly, you're like, I have to, I should, I've got to finish this. Where's my list? Here's the thing. took me almost five decades to realize that there's always more to add to the stinking list. The list never gets completed because about the time you check off the last thing, somebody else has already come at you to put one more thing on the list. And as a people pleaser, somebody who wants affirmation, validation, a sense of worth and self-valuing, and just like this whole thing as somebody who operates like if I get these things done, then I'm worthy. It is hard to step back, which is why. Today's guest is really going to talk to us about this. Kim Kimball is a life coach who specifically focuses on helping women establish boundaries and stopping like all the people pleasing. Not that it's bad. You know, there are Enneagram twos who are helpers in the world. There are people who are very pleasing to others, right? Their spirits are kind and gentle. They are people pleasing individuals. They lift others up. You know, the world needs all of us as a reminder. We are all uniquely and wonderfully made. But for those of us who are on this, in the rat race, on a hamster wheel of this self-perpetuating, never-ending cycle of go, 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 do, 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 Kim's going to help us today. So again, one more time, thank you for being here. I have missed you guys, but I'm also really enjoying this time, this season of my life where I am in an empty nesting situation. That has been a hard thing to adjust to. And I am almost 50. It's been another thing that's been a little bit difficult to adjust. It doesn't even sound right saying it, but also there's a sweetness, right? Life goes on. God, the orchestrator of our entire life careers knows what he's doing. And so I had to actually sit back and take some of my own advice. So this year is my year of rest. I had some very good friends reach out and tell me, you know what? I had a word from God. He told me to give it to you and it's to basically chill out and take this year of rest. So all that to say, you can expect remorselessly biblical coming to you every third Thursday of the month. So if there are topics you'd like me to cover, if there's anything you'd like me to discuss with you in the interim, I'm happy to go on a Facebook live or a YouTube live to do that. But these shows will again be once a month. So as always, you guys, please, please remember that you have mattering, you have value, you have worth and deliver morselessly on your journeys, which means without guilt, in spite of wrongdoing, I do not have guilt for backing off of my schedule. 
And I wish that for you. That's my hope and my prayer for you in 2022, that whatever it is that you're struggling with, you're wrestling with, that you don't feel guilt about it. You feel a sense of peace on the other side of making your decision about it. So thank you. And you guys, here we go. This is episode two, season two. Will you please do me the honor of welcoming Kim Kimball to the show? Kim Kimball, thank you for joining us today on Remorselessly Biblical. I'm really, really glad you're here. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, I can't wait to learn about your journey. You know, I've done some research and I have bits and pieces. I always, one of the things that I tell the viewers and listeners on the show is how the person who is joining us today, how he or she and I met. And um, usually it's, we don't know each other, which I'm a big believer in like the universe and God's providence and just people coming together for a reason to connect. And it's interesting to me, the, to me, the older that I get, the more I realize how much more we are united versus divided. And I just, I read your story. I'm like, I have to meet her because your messaging and your coaching and the reason that you're showing up in the world is to sort of teach and empower others to like be who they are, to establish boundaries. So, I mean, can you just kind of Give us a little backstory about, you know, how you got into this field and what has driven you to this point in your life and kind of just what it is that you do. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Um, so to make a long story very, very short, as we were talking about a little bit before we got on here, um, I kind of did everything that I quote unquote should yeah. as we were talking about in my life and what everyone else sort of wanted for me. And before I really knew my self and I was I was just I was so young that I didn't really know myself enough to be making a lot of these like life altering decisions. Um long story short I decided to get my doctorate in physical therapy and obviously, you know, really dive all in on education and like solid career path um and I kept on waiting to really like my career and to like my job and it just didn't happen. And so finally, one day, um, there was like multiple crises that happened in my life, sort of one on top of the other. My parents ended up getting a divorce very suddenly after 41 years of marriage when they had a very happy relationship. It was very surprising. Um, and then right on top of that, the person that I thought that I was going to marry ended up um, breaking up with me while we were in Thailand, where I thought we were going to get engaged, um, left me in Thailand, stole $2,000 from me. And then I was left with this situation where I was like, what now? You know, like, what do I do now? Um, and I just decided to quit my job and backpack around the world by myself at that point in time. So I started in Iceland. I ended up in um, Myanmar. I went all the way in between. Um, and during that period of time, I was just really focused on what do I want? What do I need? What do I want to do? Um, and during that time, really, my business idea was birthed, and I had no idea what coaching was. I came back with my business idea, and I started talking to a few people, and they're like, oh, you mean like life coaching? And I was like, what is that? What does that even mean? I don't even know what that is. Um, 
And so someone actually gave me a coaching session in order for me to experience it. And it was one of those moments in life where you feel like everything just like clicks into place. Like that last puzzle piece is just clicked in. Um, and as I experienced that, I was like, this is it. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I'm called to. This is what I'm made for. Um, promptly underwent, you know, going ahead and getting my, my coaching certification. Um, got married in the midst of that. And that has sort of sent me, sent me on the track that I'm on now of having my own business. And, and yeah, it's been a, it's been a journey. I guess, I guess I love that story. So you had some soul searching and seeking to do. And the whole time you were like, what, what is it? And oftentimes I heard you say, I didn't know this part about your story that you were um, with somebody who stole $2,000 and ditched you when you had a completely different vision in mind of how that vacation was going to go, how that little getaway yeah. was going to end up. Yes. And and that is sort of the journey that all of us at some point in time, you live enough life. That's where we end up. And we have this sort of existential crisis and we say, well, now what am I supposed supposed to do? And you had enough wherewithal to say, it's not really supposed to anymore. It's what do I really want to do? Like, who, who am I really? And that's the question I think we all have to answer at one point or another, something just stops us and causes us to say, how have I been living? Have I been living authentically? Have I been living how my parents wanted me to live or this partner that I'm with wanted me to live? Like, what am I doing here? Really is the question. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you came back and you just knew what that is. And so how long ago was that actually? I don't know. Almost four years. Okay. Well, when I, when I came back, that has been over six years, but it's been four years of me having my own business. Yeah. Okay. And the way that works is you typically, is it just women or men or sort of what sort of issues? Like, do you go, this is a good fit for me? Yeah. I only work with women okay. right now at this point in time. Um, I'm not married to that. Something may shift eventually, but right now that feels right for me. Um, and specifically, I work with women to help them have thriving relationships. So relationships with partners, with friends, with family members, and all of the issues that surround relationships, right? So communication, being able to communicate directly our wants, our needs, our desires, how to manage that with another person's wants and needs and desires, healthy boundaries, um, really the complexities and the nuance that all of re relationships really entail um, and helping people to feel comfortable and confident in their relationship with themselves and what they bring to the table and therefore really impacting every relationship that they have. I love this. I love this. I have so many questions because relationships are the trickiest thing I think on the planet, right? I often say to people, you know, if it wasn't for people, this would be easy. <laughs> like whatever it is yes. that I'm doing. Yeah. Yes. It, it, it because it becomes this sort of like dance and a fine line between how do I use my voice and state clearly? Because I am a big believer too that um, clear commu communication is kindness. Like it's kind to be yes. clear, but yes. there's a fine line. I know I personally have struggled with, okay, I'm going to tell this person or my employee or my teammate, doesn't matter who the person is relationally, but I'm going to tell them what I want, what I need. But then there's a fine line between saying that and feeling selfish. I, mm -hmm. I, I feel like. So do you often encounter um, people who say, yeah, I, I know what you're telling me is right, but like, how do I do that without feeling bad about myself, right? Like, it's a lot of that sort of half, you have to sort of, I would imagine, deconstruct and unravel your former beliefs. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. Um, and I always tell people too, that I really 
get them to view that feeling of selfishness as a cue that they're doing something right and moving in a right direction, just simply because if you weren't doing something different than your old patterns, likely of martyrdom or perfectionism or people pleasing or all these other patterns that um, most especially are very common in women, which is why I typically work most mostly with women. Um, You know, if you were just continuing in those patterns, you wouldn't feel that pain of, is this selfish? You know? Mm -hmm. So I get people to view that as this actually means that you're changing things and it's a step in the right direction. But you're absolutely right, Beth, and that it takes oftentimes unpacking so many layers of programming and thoughts about themselves yeah. and ways and patterns of relating before you can even get to that point of being able to voice that thing which you're perceiving as selfish in the first place. Mm-hmm. That's really helpful. And I'm going to take a little bit of a pivot here because, you know, in the show, there's an, always an undertone of just sort of... Um, and I don't like the word religion, but relationship, right, with higher beings. And so uh, a lot of that I have struggled with because that was my messaging. I grew up Catholic, so I was always in trouble. I was never going to be good enough. I was always going to go to hell. I was always, you know, saying, thinking, doing the wrong things. And so I think for us, a lot of it is when we start to transform and grow and become closer to it, who we truly are. Um, I love what you said that when you view something selfishly that you encourage people that that's a sign that something is shifting in you and you are changing relationally and sort of, I guess, under the heading of religion for me, it was when I started to question um, like, should I feel badly about this? Not because I'm afraid of going to hell, but like, am I relating to another human in a way that is respectful and kind and, Mm. and seeing them? And somebody said, okay, now you're really like, into it. So now the fact that you're questioning if you're quote showing up as a kind person means you are moving more towards kindness. I'm like, Oh yeah, that will make sense. (laughs) You know? So. Yes. Isn't it amazing? All of the, I mean that, like you said, I I love that you pivoted the conversation to this because there's so much programming from religion that happens. And it's interesting. I didn't know that you grew up Catholic. So I, my, my faith deconstruction journey happened because I grew up Protestant and my husband grew up Catholic and he grew up the kind of Catholic that is Latin mass only. He is one of 10 kids. He's got two brothers that are priests, one sister's a nun. I mean, just an extremely intense family with their beliefs and, you know, very rigid and in the beliefs that they hold. Um, And, you know, us getting together and getting married caused a lot of fireworks (laughs) for his family and for me within myself. And there was a lot to reconcile. But, um, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, what denomination of the Christian faith you came from. We all are carrying so much baggage of different things that we believe is right and wrong and what we're allowed to do and what we should do and what the role of being a woman is. If we're speaking of you know, feminism or, you know, just gender roles in general. Um, there's so much there again, to just so many layers to unpack. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of my 
favorite stories is, um, and some of my viewers and listeners know about this already is like when I was going through a divorce and my husband just left me and I went to the church where I was a part of for a really long time. Like they knew me, they knew us, they knew us as human beings and kind and loving people. And I'm like, he just not coming home. You know, I was like in my late thirties and there wasn't a lot of love and compassion. It was more, well, this is what it says. So see ya. And I'm like, well, hold up, right? This is what the teaching does. And it was really hard for me in those moments to say, how can I take everything that felt really comfortable when I was living a certain way and doing what I should do? And there was always this friction. And that is when I became probably the most miserable version of myself because I knew that who I really was is not what people were telling me I should be. But yet you had to go up against a system that said my voice didn't matter. And I'm like, well, I just heard this guy preach over here. He's like watching paint dry, right? Like, I don't think that's really his gifting and skill sets. I, I think a lot of women can speak better than he can. So why can't they preach? You know, I have questions about this. And, yeah. and it's not to be disrespectful. It's just to say, to your point, there are so many ways of uh, misinterpreting, right? The shoulds in life yeah. and what we're taught, man, from people that we think are our role models, teachers, parents, et cetera. And we really don't have enough agency over our thoughts as a young person, enough experience to say, well, I have a question. I think they might be wrong. Right. I used to be able to tell my daughter anything. She's like, oh yeah, my mom's the smartest person in the world. Okay. She's almost 25 now. I think that ship is long sailed. <laughs> she's like, I got this. I'll figure it out. And I think what you're speaking to is there's a lot of, um, especially within religion, really even to get to the point where you question anything is a huge jump because you're just taught to trust these external authority figures. Yes. Right. Yes. There's no turning inwards of what actually feels good to me because most of us are taught the heart is deceitful above all things. You know, like you can't trust yourself. You can't trust your desires. Your desires are wicked, wicked and bad. Your flesh is wicked and bad. Um, so many things that we could unpack within that. But when we really are taught to just blindly trust all of these authority figures and negate what is happening and going on internally within us, then it sets us up to live this life of shoulds and this life really of misalignment is what I would say. Mm -hmm. Where we're trying to shove ourselves in this box for, throughout the course of our life that just doesn't fit. Yes. You know? Yes. And then to your point about the external authority figures, and we're not supposed to question them. And then when we see with our own eyes, these authority figures doing something specifically themselves that they told us thou shall not do. And I'm like, well, now I'm confused. There's a lot of hypocrisy in this. And you, you feel immediately unsafe and like you've been duped. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. And it makes you question so many things throughout the course of your life, you know? It's like I was in the church and grew up in the church, um, you know, literally my entire life. And then and then it's and it, then it's this situation where I don't know if you felt this way, Beth, but it feels like your entire life has been built on this like very shaky foundation. We were like, wait a second, what is real and what's not real? Yep. And what can I base anything on and what is true? And yeah. It just creates this whole entire mind crisis. Yes. You know? Yes. Oh, yeah. That's been my my resume to date, because then you take that into relationship and you're like, so does this person really love me? Or is it if I do certain things or don't do certain things? It's a transaction at that point. It's the, the unconditional love part goes right out the door. And that's how I always um, that's the messaging I missed about God was I thought, well, if I'm good enough, if I'm not super bad, whatever the thing is, then then if then 
he will like me more, love me more, accept me more. And I took that straight into relationships with, with men throughout my life. It was like, okay, well, if I do this thing, he won't leave me. <laughs> Next thing you know, he's stealing 2000 bucks and you're on an eat, pray, love vacation. <laughs> exactly. You don't know, right? Because people are people. And, and, and I also, one of my greatest lessons is to just forgive myself first. That was the hardest one. And so I'm sure when you do coaching for, for women that like, this is a universal, I would imagine sort of struggle that we have. Yeah. Like, who are we and what voices are real? And I think the end of the day for me, when I am spending time sharing space with people, I always just encourage women, especially to say, you know who you are. You've always known. And something in the course of our journeys has gotten us off track, whether it's just been one bad decision or one bad person in our life who, who got into our heads enough times to make us believe the wrong narrative. And then we start living that way instead of saying, you know, my voice is going to be louder than that narrative. And I'm going to start living that way. And that's what a coach does, right? Like you really are an encourager of, I guess, shape shifting people's thoughts to say, yeah. well, what's real, what's really real. And how can we go about, you know, shifting you in that direction again? Yeah. Getting people in touch with their own internal truth, holding, I like to think of it as a mirror, you know, holding, holding that mirror up to people and being able to show them, this is who you are. Yeah. Like this is really who you are. You yeah. know, so, to come back to that. Do you take that into your relationship with your husband? Like, do you ever like pull the, all right, I know what I'm talking about here. Like you're in the sort of discussion. I say that with my air quotes. He knows when I'm coaching him. Like I try to like slide it in there and then I'll be, it, it mainly comes out because he has a really hard time making decisions. Oh. And so I'll, I'll end up, you know, like I'll just mirror and reflect and ask him questions and things like that. And then at the end of all of it, if he comes to a conclusion and he's like, Oh, that was so helpful. I'm like, I was coaching you, yeah. you know? Yeah. And he's like, I know what you were doing. I just let you do it. You know? know, it's, it's so, the best. I try well, to do it. Yeah, it's insular practice. Like you have that practice because it's relationship. And so oh, I'll tell you, I used to go kicking and screaming to talk about emotions. Like I was like, I don't want to talk about it because I was closed off to the prospect of um, vulnerability, you know, and, and letting down the walls because of past hurts. And I was like, I don't want to talk about it. I'm just going to show up and I'm just going to be comfortable with what I'm doing. And you're not going to get too close, you know, but, yeah. but there's, um, there's a sadness to that as well. There's a loneliness that kind of creeps in. You get to sort of a place yeah. in your life where you think, well, <laughs> this is my MO. This is my mode of operation, but you miss so much, you know, Yeah, you really do. So I've you. gotten better about it. The older <laughs> I get. I'm a little more vulnerable, a little more willing to say, okay, tell me about my feelings. All right. I'm going to show up. Let's talk about feelings because <laughs> they're important. It's so funny that you mentioned that. I literally just posted something today on my Instagram talking about, you know, if we don't want, <coughs> sorry. No, you're fine. <coughs> I think I actually know what you're going to talk about. Want to, the friction one? Yeah. Want to avoid friction in your relationships, then you got to avoid depth. It's true. It, it's, um, you know, surface level. Very surface level. Like we, we have all these ideas of like that we can avoid this one part of relationship that's uncomfortable. But whenever we try to do that, we're also avoiding the richness and the depth that comes by not avoiding it, by being able to dive into the emotions or the depth or the conflict or the confrontation or the clarifying conversations. You cannot have one without the other. 
You just can't. It's impossible. And, you know, we can try to shape shift ourselves however we want in order to try to avoid that. And really all we're ever really avoiding is intimacy. All we're ever avoiding is vulnerability. Yeah. We're avoiding actually being seen. We're avoiding actually relating because you cannot, like I said, you cannot have one without the other. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was the hardest thing for me is that um, I didn't do that in relationship. And I also, again, brought that in my relationship with God because I was very surfacy. I'm like, well, this is how it says to pray. So I was robotic almost. I was like, okay, checklist in that off the thing. I prayed today. I said the words, but it wasn't with that vulnerable wall torn down, raw, intentional self because it, and then my mind would go, well, God knows what I'm thinking anyway. So this is kind of like just a whole farce and a waste of time. So then I was back and forth. I'm like, well, I guess it's not going to kill me to be really like super vulnerable. And, and the thing is there's a sweetness to it. There's a real, to your point, you can't have one without the other. And so if you are willing to do that, you, you're seen in a way that really we're all longing to be seen anyway. So it's like, we have control over that. And much, I, I think it's just a fearful, a fear-based response. Yeah. We're afraid yeah. of getting hurt. So we don't show up fully. And yet then we don't get what we want fully, which is to be fully seen and valued and intimate with somebody. It's just a, it's a slippery slope and a funny little dance, isn't it? It is a funny little dance. And, you know, I heard you mention earlier, you, you mentioned your relationship with God and not getting like really real and raw with, with your relationship with God. And I found that I had a very codependent relationship with God. And I feel like you kind of mentioned that earlier um, in that what I mean is I had in my head, like, well, if I check all of these boxes of the things that I'm supposed to be doing, then God will give me all it will bless me and give me all of these things. Right. And that my life will go well and my life will go as planned. And as you experienced, and as I have experienced, you can check all the boxes and you can do all the right things. And life is still going to life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I still get left in an airport in Thailand and have $2,000 stolen for me or, you know, whatever yeah. it is, yeah. fill in the blank for whatever it is for you. Yeah. And so sometimes it takes, life lifing in order to break us out of this codependent relationship with God as this magic genie in the sky, that if we do all of the right, quote unquote, right things, that, that life is going to go how we want it to. And really that's just control. It's yeah. just a means for control that is all an illusion. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Part of me goes, where were you when I was growing up? I could have, I could have gleaned from you and your, um, your sister, sister's a nun or somebody's a nun. My my husband's oh, his family yes. and two priests, two priests. Yeah, I took my daughter to. We were in Italy when she was traveling abroad, and we went straight to the Vatican. And I'm like, wow, there's a there's a lot going on, and it's just, you know, there was the um, sentimentality to it. I mean, I'm Italian. I like I love to be in relationship with people. I love the familial aspect of it. I love the ritual of it. But I also missed a lot of the messaging about everything that you're sharing with us today. I was just sort of in this mode of I'm going to go, I'm going to go to midnight mass and I'm going to have six glasses of wine before I walk down there for mm -hmm. communion. You know, I'm just going to kind of like do the thing um, mm -hmm. and avoid a lot of the, the intimacy with God. I'm just going to mm -hmm. check the boxes, be a good girl, walk into the confessional, say my Hail Marys and roll out on Monday and do what I want to do. <laughs> mm -hmm. But with that comes a lot of maturity. Yeah. I know I am not interviewing you here, but I'm very curious, like what your, what your faith is 
now mm. as I shouldn't say faith, obviously it sounds like you believe in God, but oh, yeah. what your church attendance, if you attend church or if you don't, what that is like. Yeah. I love this question. Um, so after my bone marrow transplant, um, I was the only person that walked out of there alive. So I was making friends with people and my theology at that point taught me that I was undergoing cancer and a transplant just because I was supposed to die. And that I got that because God was mad at me for getting a divorce. That was what I thought an angry God. Oh. It was, it was brutal. And I was in there thinking I I struggled Kim because I was like, well, do I take it on the chin and like go, well, I I deserve this and and sort of just lay back and kind of not show up in my own physical, like the little control that I had, I struggled with, do I put the work in or do I just lay here and let death happen to me? Because I, I earned it, you know, I deserve to die. It was really hard, but Olivia yeah. Had I not had a daughter, I don't know how I would have responded, but I'm like, I'm going to fight. She, I adore this girl. She's two years old. She needs a mama. So I showed up. I did all the work. I would get up when I didn't feel like it. I would encourage other people. And I watched them die one by one. And I thought, I'm confused. I thought I was the sinner. I thought I was the bad one here. Like, what do these guys do? Are they out there killing people? Right? Like, I, I got divorced. Um, so I got out of the hospital. I was 25 years old. Not a lot of life experience. Um, but enough to know that I didn't, I couldn't deal with it. So I threw myself back into work. I threw myself back into momming and being a wife and like showing up and just doing like going to the dry cleaner and making dinner and doing the things. And it wasn't until about four or five years later when I just really stopped one day and I thought I'm here for a reason. I don't know what it is. I got to figure this out. I don't think God's mad at me anymore because he saved me. That was just the, the minimal baseline that I had. So I went back to school and I got a couple master's degrees in theology mm. because I wanted to study. I'm like, all right, well, whatever I learned growing up, I'd never even opened a Bible. I only had a missalette. So I'm mm. going to like go take a class and I'm going to get some different perspectives. This is how rudimentary and sort of naive I was. I grew up in a very small town. Again, not bashing it, but I knew this much about the big world, right? Didn't mm. even dawn on me. I'm sitting in class one day and the professor said he had pictures of like black Jesus and you know, different, different pictures than I had in my, in the rectory and Catholic CCD. And I'm looking like, well, well, who's that Jesus? And they're like, well, I'm sorry, but if you are an African-American human, what do you think your Jesus looks like? I'm like, well, that's kind of a good question, <laughs> right? Like it just did never dawn on me. It didn't enter my thought, but I'll tell you when Olivia was probably five or six years old, I was praying with her one night before she fell asleep. And she said, mama, if there's another mama and baby girl on the other side of the world, And they're laying in bed and they're praying to God, but they're calling him by a different name, like Allah or pick a name. She's like, and they're reading a different book. She just looked at me with tears in her eyes. And she said, is that baby girl and that mama going to go to hell? Oh my gosh. And I literally went, man, everything I know about God and Christianity, I, I don't know a thing. I just really, I was convicted to enter into a season of learning and listening and being open-minded and trying to change my perspective. So an answer to your question where I'm not, I don't identify as Catholic anymore. Mm-hmm. I would say that I am non-denominational. I'm a believer in Jesus. Mm-hmm. I um, love being a community because I do think there's something to, you know, church has changed since 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I get myself in a little bit of trouble sometimes, because if somebody said, how would you identify? I would say, I believe that a loving God did not create human beings to damn them to the pits of hell. That, that's where I land. I land in, I, I think that God exists out, outside of our mental capacity to understand. That's the mystery and the beauty of God. And yeah. so if someday 
God decides I'm going to save all of the Muslims. I'm going to save all of the, the like pick a, it doesn't matter, right? Pick a label, pick a denomination. Yeah. Well, guess what? That's God's choice to do it. And I'm not here to go, well, those people are going to go to hell because we're Christian and they're not. I view it as we are brothers and sisters in Christ and we're all made in God's image. And someday he's going to make it right again. And we're going to be with him. And we're, we're going to think all this politicizing and denominational divides. We're going to look back and go, man, what were we doing? Why didn't we just do what Jesus said? which is love the Lord, your God, all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And to me, everybody's a neighbor. So that's where I land. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that with me. Yeah. I'm very, very inclusive at this point in my life. Whereas I grew up um, and not ashamed because I just didn't know. I did not know better. Yeah. You know, that's what I was taught to your point. That's what I was taught. And so when we're taught certain things, we show up certain ways. And then all of a sudden it takes somebody to go, but really, is that who you are? Do you personally really believe that? Or did somebody tell you that's what you should do and what you should think? Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for the work that you do. Honestly, life coaches to me um, are imperative. It's like a companion and a guide that comes alongside of us on our journeys to say, you know, I care about you. I see you. I'm going to give you a different perspective here um, because maybe you just have had some blinders on, right? Maybe you've had experiences that you've not been able to see from a different perspective and I'm here to sort of open your eyes to that. So I, I love what you do. I thank you for what you do. I think it's awesome. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I've really enjoyed this conversation, Beth, and I appreciate you having me here. Absolutely. I'll put all the contact information in the show notes. So thank you for joining us this week. Okay, you guys, how great was Kim? I hope that you were really encouraged by her. What just a, a sweet, authentic soul. You know, how you can just tell when you talk to somebody that they love what they do they love life. They love just being in the world and just really connecting and sharing with people. That's the vibe that I got from Kim. And I just think that she was really authentic in her sharing and her journey. And I am, as you heard me say to her, very grateful for the work that she does. You know, she is taking um, her life experience and her lessons and she's listening to her inner voice and she's helping us do the same thing. So when she's coaching women, she's all about saying, okay, well, what are your boundaries? You know, how are you showing up in relationship and are you comfortable doing that is that really how you want to show up you know in relationship authentically and how do we then take our relationship as you heard she and i talk about um with god and what you've been programmed perhaps to think and are you taking any of that programming into your relationships with your partners here on the earth right there's a whole lot of um sort of a through line that goes along with that so i just hope that you guys were as blessed as i was with our time spent with Kim. I think she, you know, I think she was amazing. And so if you go in the show notes, you'll be able to see how to connect with her and, um, and just continue on your journeys to live in a space of authenticity, of knowing who you are, who you're created to be so that you can actually establish boundaries in a kind and clear way and say, this is who I am. And I'm worth this sort of intimate relationship with somebody. So if you're struggling with that, you know, reach out to Kim, you know, she'll be able to help you and and mentor and guide you and maybe um, shift some of those uh, patterns and thinking and and just things that we've been sort of picking up along the way. So you guys, thank you for being here as always, as always, if I can help in any way, I also do personal and professional development coaching. You guys know this on bethfisher.com. I'm happy to come speak at your events. I am happy to just be in relationship with you. So As you continue to show up in your journeys, do it without guilt, in spite of what you've done wrong, because I'm here to tell you, you are forgiven, you are loved, and you matter. So I will see you here, not next week, reminder, reminder, once a month. So I'm going to see you here 
next month, the third Thursday. Okay. Until then, you guys, peace.